The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about setting up your e-commerce master plan. Joining us is Chloe Thomas, who is the podcast host and author of e-commerce master plan, which was started in 2003. And Chloe works client side, agency side, and advertiser side with a variety of retailers from enterprise omni-channel operations to online startups, covering international launches, subscriptions, B2B, and even dabbling in marketplaces. And today, Chloe and I are going to discuss building out your e-commerce customer master plan. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Chloe Thomas, the podcast host and author at e-commerce master plan. Chloe, welcome to the MarTech podcast. Hi, Ben. It's an utter pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Always excited to have a fellow podcast host. You're also an author, so very accomplished. Excited to talk a little e-commerce with you. My roots are in e-commerce. The beginning of my technology career started working at eBay, where I learned all about not only e-commerce models, but marketplaces. Has anything changed in the last 15 years? Catch me up. Well, in some ways, absolutely nothing has changed because it's still all about creating a great experience for the customer so they come back and buy from you again. But the biggest thing that's changed in the last 15 years is the ease of technology. That's been the real game changer. I mean, I suppose at the biggest side, you've got Shopify coming into the space and just making everything so much easier for the e-commerce owner. But in every area, the technology has just come on so much to make our jobs much simpler. It makes me feel like an old gray hair. Back in my day, there was eBay. (laughs) And every once in a while, people would buy some books on Amazon. And now all of a sudden... It's easy to have a store. We have Stripe integrations. It's not just clunky old PayPal, Venmo, a million ways to pay. And Shopify is obviously dominating the SMB e-commerce landscape. So you mentioned that the platforms has changed, but the strategies are relatively the same. And that leads me to basically the topic for today is building your customer master plan. Let's start off with a little definition. You wrote the book on what the customer master plan is literally Walk me through what you mean by customer master plan. So I created the customer master plan because I was finding a lot of e-commerce marketers and marketers in other sectors as well, getting a bit platform obsessed 
like I read a blog and I'm, oh, I must do Facebook ads or, oh, I must do Google ads or, oh, I must do email and not really thinking about it from the customer's perspective or from the problem's perspective of what they were actually trying to achieve. So for me, it should always start with, I need to do X. What's the best way to do that? And that might be email. It might be Facebook. It might be Google. It might be fixing the backend processes so we get the right parcel to the right customer at the right time. So I created the customer master plan model to help marketers as kind of like a visual reminder to go, hold on, what are we actually trying to do at the moment? And that's what it's all about. It's a very simplified way of looking at the customer journey to make your marketing decisions better. Okay, so you're looking at the customer journey to not only figure out some of the operational process, but also the marketing channel. Talk to me about what you mean by customer journey. I find a store, I find a product, I buy the product, and it shows up. Is it more complicated than that? It's kind of simpler than that, but there's a couple more stages in it. So across the bottom of the model, we've got six circles and five arrows. They're in a nice straight line. On the left-hand side, we've got the world. Then we have in the circles, then we have visitors, inquirers rather. Then we have first-time buyers, repeat buyers, and regular buyers. And each of these circles represents a customer relationship level, which is the level your relationship with that customer has got to. And then we do our work in between those portions. So we're trying to get people out in the world to come to our website, to join our email list, to buy for the first time, to buy for the second time and to buy for the third time. So it's really about focusing in on those arrows between the circles, the stages and working out where you should be spending your time and the best ways to spend your time in improving that stage. It sounds a little bit like a self-help book where, you know, the six circles of generating your customer attention life cycle. You start off with, hey, somebody is out in the world. And the interesting thing is you said, well, the plan is not to figure out what channels are right, but focus on the customer. So when you're starting with, well, how do I get people from outside of my properties to experience my properties and becoming interested in a product or service? What's the process? You know, what's the data and technologies you're using to get people from the outside to the inside? There is so much you can do in that part of the model, in that stage one area from the world to visitors. I split it down into three different types of marketing. So we've got close into the website, we've got get found, which literally means making sure you're being found. So that means being good at SEO. So people find you when they want to find you, they find your core products when they want to, and being good at Google ads. So core keywords and Google shopping campaigns. So all your integrations that feed that is core, core text to get that. Because otherwise all the money you spend on the other marketing, if someone can't find you on the search engine, they ain't going to be able to buy from you. Then we have um, target customer, which is when you're putting marketing in front of your target customers. So that then brings in platforms like Facebook ads, and it brings in more of the Google ads platform, but it also brings in things like PR, many, many different types of advertising come into that too. And then the third type of marketing in that space is all about shining a light on your business. So putting content out in the wider world to try and find people who are interested. So in target customer, we would be putting our advertising, if you're selling fly fishing gear, in Fly Fishing Monthly or on flyfishingwebsite.com. And then in Shiner Light, you'd be putting it in, I don't know, USA Today, because you're hoping that some fly fishers will see it when it's in USA Today. As a very non-tech stack example of how those fit together. 
I've never gone fly fishing in my life, so I'm not really sure what other <laughs> publications there might be, but flyfishingwebsite.com sounds spectacular. <laughs> you know, I always say that the ways to grow a podcast, there's four ways to grow a podcast, viral, organic, paid, and partnerships. It sounds like you're thinking about similar channels for that targeting, shining a light, basically catching a net where people have incoming demand. They're trying to find you. That's how you segment it. And there's also the sort of push mechanism where you're going and finding them. Talk to me about some of the ways that you're trying to figure out when you're on the customer, you're finding them side, tools, data, technology used to make sure that you're finding the right people. It depends on which marketing method you think is going to be the one you're going for. So if you're doing it with Google ads or Facebook ads, then it's simply a matter of attacking their targeting structure, running tests and seeing how all those tests work, which means you've got to have the right technology in your website to track and feedback the results. Because... What we want is we want the traffic sources that convert into buyers, not just bring you loads of traffic. So Facebook pixels, Google tag manager, having those sort of things installed on your website is an absolute must to make these things work. Then you get out to kind of more, I guess, market research tools. So tools like SparkToro is one that I would use. You took the words out of my mouth. I've been using SparkToro a ton lately. Amazing platform. You put in your topic and it tells you who's important, which could give you an advertising lead. It could give you a partnership lead. It could give you a viral lead. It could give you an organic lead. Tools such as SparkToro are hugely powerful for drilling down to where you might want to look to find those marketing channels. Okay, so you're setting up your pixels, your attribution, you're you're using some data sources. We both like SparkToro. I think Rand's done a really nice job of putting a tool together. Way to go, Rand. At first it was SEO. Now it's market research. Constantly an innovator, wonderful entrepreneur, and friend of the MarTech podcast. So once you have an idea of how to drive traffic, there's the other segments of you know getting someone from being interested to being a buyer. Talk to me about this seems to be something that Shopify is trying to master. How do I get somebody from my site through the site? And then how do I re-engage with them? What is now on the e-commerce store owner's responsibility and what is actually taken care of by the platform? It's going to depend on what platform you're on. So if you're doing like a WooCommerce, then you've got a lot of work to do yourself. But if you're on a Shopify or Shopware, many of those other big commerce platforms that are out there, they do handle a lot of the ops, techy, financy stuff that we used to have to deal with. And obviously Shopify is the one who kind of does the most for you. Give me an example of ops techie finance stuff. What do you mean? So the ops techie finance stuff is things like agreeing credit card processing with someone. You know, back in the old days, we had to have an agreement with a bank who would deal with our credit card processing. Now that gets dealt with for you because it comes within the package. We have things like optimizing your checkout, keeping it secure, hideous things like PCI DSS that some of your listeners may quake at the thought of, which is all about credit card security. Also known as piece of this. Yes. Hideous thing. All about credit card security. Truly tedious and something marketers shouldn't be having to worry about. And now with these platforms that do it all in one, it's dealt with for you. And if you're integrating something like Stripe, that's dealing with a lot of these issues for you as well. Those are things which you don't want to have to spend your time on. And I think the fact those have been taken off the table is one of the reasons we've seen a lot of exciting e-commerce brands come through because they're able to just ignore that part of the business and focus on what helps them grow. But the other thing these platforms do is they stop you from worrying about stuff you shouldn't be worrying about in terms of tweaking the checkout endlessly. 
you know, so much is kind of off, um, unavailable for you to play around with. It means you have to focus on the bits that really work for you. So where it becomes your responsibility is things like the marketing automations that are going to keep the customers coming back, putting in place tools that will enable you to run pop-ups to gather email data, to gather mobile phone data, putting in place things such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, site personalization that puts the right products in front of the right customers. And that's a hugely exciting part of the industry at the moment is which solution works the best. So you caught my interest here. Now we're talking about stuff I understand, machine learning, marketing automation, different tools. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about some of the tools that are really interesting to you when it comes to product merchandising, when it comes to marketing automation, when it comes to email capture, the pop-ups type stuff. What are the tools that you go to? Okay. So to take those one by one, then in terms of kind of the merchandising of the website, whenever I see a site, whenever anyone asks me the question of, should I be doing some of this? I come down to, does your website fall into the camp of needing a merchandising solution? because people are going via the search bar to find things, where you're talking about tech like Clayvu or DoFinder, or are they more on the kind of getting the products in the right place side of things? You're talking about tools like Nosto or Segmentify, who are doing some really, really clever things, which come from a price point these days, which is so low, even the smallest brand can do it. So there's a lot of options in that space. Then when we get into the marketing automation side of things, The two best, I think, out there in the e-commerce space at the moment are Klaviyo and Omnisend, who both deeply, deeply integrate into most of the e-commerce platforms, which enables you to do some really clever marketing really, really easily. And then on the pop-up side of things and gathering that data, there are inbuilt options in both Klaviyo and Omnisend. And then there's a whole plethora of different tech you can use to data capture. I'm playing around with one at the moment called Societal 
which I'm a little bit falling in love with that I'm using across my websites, but which was originally built for e-commerce. Yeah, it's interesting. We're going through a similar process. We rebuilt the MarTech podcast website and there's a question of merchandising. We have all of our podcasts that have tags, so we're able to categorize our content. Is it B2B? Is it B2C? Is it D2C? So somebody can search by those tags, but when somebody goes through our content, they're looking at in chronological order, or they're looking at by category. We don't necessarily have this recommendation engine based on the person. Something that we've been thinking about building into the homepage is, hey, find the podcasts that are relevant to you, and the more you click, the better we are at delivering your content. Seems like there's some solutions that you mentioned that might be able to do the same thing, even though they're not necessarily e-commerce. Well, interestingly, Clavu, they've recently done an integration for an e-commerce podcaster whose name I've just forgotten. But I was kind of enviously looking at their site going, right, next time I see the guys from Clavu, I'm like, any chance you could do that to mine? <laughs> so it's Clavu, which is not Clavio. It's No, it's K-L-E-V-U. So we've gone through a stage in the e-commerce world where if your name doesn't start with K or ideally KL, you're just not playing the game. Okay. So we've gone through the various pieces of marketing technology that you're using to optimize your store. And you know what? This sounds so easy. Why isn't everybody doing it? I think that's actually what's happening is that e-commerce is getting more and more crowded because it's easier to create all these stores. So when you think about, well look, I can go and I can find the right person. I can go and I can remarket to them easily. I can build all these automations to get them back to my store. Hey, everybody that's running an e-commerce store should be killing it. But the reality is there's lots of competition these days. How do you differentiate because e-commerce is becoming more crowded? There's probably competitors that are doing the same thing that you are in terms of marketing. What's the differentiation point in e-commerce today? The differentiation point is emotion. It's building the story of your brand and creating the emotional connection with your customer. So they want to talk about how great the experience was, how great the product was, who your founder is, how that resonates with them. So it's all about the emotional connection, which to build it, you need to do great automations. You need to have a welcome campaign after your email sign up, which takes people through the process of being your customer. You know, if you imagine you had a physical store and someone comes in for the first time and looks a bit lost, what would you tell them to tell them the brand story to help them understand what to buy? And we need to bring that into our welcome sequences. We need to bring that into our content marketing. And if we do that and we keep that consistent throughout the whole process from when their friend hears them talking about them over coffee through to their post-purchase journey when they're getting those in-flight updates of what's happening with their order before it arrives, what's in the box and beyond. That way you create real true customer loyalty that will help you grow your business, both by selling more to the person you've made loyal and selling to the people who, quite frankly, they're going to tell about you. I am a staunch believer in brand building. And the first thing that you can do is know thy customer. Doesn't matter whether you're in e-commerce, doesn't matter what you're working on. If you know what your customer's pain points are, you'll be able to speak to them in their language and talk to them about it. But I'm going to say something that I think is a little controversial. I think e-commerce businesses talking about their brand and their motivation has actually gone overboard. And don't get me wrong, it's important, but I've seen it go to the length where I go to a store, I'm looking for a product, and they don't have products on their homepage. They just have the mission. So there's a balance there. If I go into a store... And somebody came up to me and said, let me tell you about my founder, the guy that created the store and his motivation for picking this location. Well, I'm already in the store. 
where's the t-shirts? Talk to me about finding the balance of getting somebody into the conversion process as opposed to telling them the motivation and the background and the mission story. How do you find that right balance? It's one of the trickiest things to get right. And you're right. There are a lot of brands who have gone too far in one direction and there are brands who have gone completely in the other direction. It is remarkable still, even now, when many of us in the industry have been talking about this for a couple of years, quite heavily, how many e-commerce brands, websites you can go onto and the About Us page has nothing other than their postal address. You've got to have the basics there. So at least if someone wants that backstory, they can find it. You know, who have an email sign up that just when you do it, they say, thanks for signing up. Here's your 10% off discount code and gives them nothing else. It is all about finding that balance. I think it differs from brand to brand. You know, if you're selling limited edition t-shirts that are highly designed, maybe they're in partnership with key influencers, then there's a story that should be told around that. But if you're selling, I don't know, curtain pole rings, I'm a lot less interested in what the motivation of the people were to select that curtain pole ring than I am in this t-shirt. Our founder believes that circles are beautiful. And so everything we do is related to a circle. And our mission is to circle the whole world with our pole rings. Yeah, just show me the damn pole rings and the colors. Exactly. And make sure they're the right size. And then I'm in. But there are a couple of things which it's becoming increasingly important to include because these are things which are almost like a lot of consumers are now seeing as a checklist is, is there any element of sustainability here? Is there any element of morality and ethics with this business? And people are going to check those sort of things, especially in skincare. People want it organic. They want to know it hasn't got X, Y, and Z in it. And if you're doing that and you've not put it on your website, you will be losing orders. So there's this balance and the balance is shifting as we go month to month at the moment and sector to sector. So it is a really tough one to do. But if you've not at least got the About Us page right and a decent email welcome campaign, which are the two most obvious opportunities to talk about your story, then you are missing a trick. I said you should know your customer and understanding your customer's pain points, motivation, whether they need the story for your brand, whether they think about your brand or your products as commodities helps you understand what that experience should be. If I'm running a convenience store, I don't need to tell everyone what the purpose of the owner of the convenience store is for creating the business. If I'm running an e-commerce fashion, health and beauty, you know, maybe the mission of the products and where they're sourced from is more important. It's a judgment call and it's one that you're going to have to think about and talk to your customers about to really master. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Chloe Thomas, podcast host and author at e-commerce master plan. Join us again tomorrow when Chloe and I are going to continue our conversation talking about how to optimize for the right things in e-commerce. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Chloe, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter where her handle is Chloe Thomas Ecom. That's C-H-L-O-E-T-H-O-M-A-S-E-C-O-M. Or you could visit her website, which is ecommercemasterplan.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. 
And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of technology and marketing knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.